good to be with you this morning to worship with you, and I'm going to invite you now uh, to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, and I'm going to read a familiar story to you, Matthew uh, chapter 14, and I pray that as you hear this story that uh, you will uh, hear it in a fresh way that the spirit of the living God who we've just been singing about will uh, be with you in presence to uh, lead and to guide you. I pray that, that um, as we do this, as we engage with the living word of God, that also we would learn to hear God's voice in and amidst uh, this gospel story that for, for thousands of years has informed Christian spirituality has informed Christian discipleship and has inspired people to uh, live in the way of Jesus. And so my hope is that, that you would hear these words, understanding um, what God can do through them. So with that, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, would you help me to get out of the way so that uh, your word can be spoken here at St. Andrews this morning? Holy Spirit, would you be our ever-present help here to comfort, uh, to inform, to inspire, to encourage. Give us faith, Lord. Help us to taste and see your goodness this morning through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22, says this. Immediately... Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, let me come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hands and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. I want to start with a question to you this morning. Where does your mind go when you think about the future? Where does your mind go when you think about the future? Does it go to a happy place where given enough time, all of the issues in your life will be resolved um, and that you will 
be better than you were or currently are? Or are you prone to what psychologists call future tripping? That means is that when you think about the future and you think about what could possibly happen, that your mind is drawn to worry and anxiety, imagining all of the scenarios that could go wrong. Our minds are really powerful, aren't they? They're, they're, they have this amazing ability to uh, generate energy. In fact, uh, scientists have actually looked at the amount of energy that the brain generates, and it could light a light bulb, just with how much <laughs> energy uh, your brain is producing as it's thinking through the things that are going on in your life. Imagine the kind of uh, future tripping that could have been possible for the disciples in this boat. You know, Jesus has left them. He sent them out on the lake at night when all of a sudden a great storm arises. And as the water starts coming into the boat, what kind of thoughts do you think they may have had? As they imagine the peril that they're in, what were the reactions of the disciples? You know, maybe they started to argue over directions. Uh, maybe they started to man their different parts in the boat uh, with all courage, trying to ignore uh, thoughts of what could possibly happen to them, worrying about sinking the boat, just sort of ending this Jesus mission in utter failure without even Jesus being alongside with them in the boat. And then, as they're imagining all of the possible negative things that could happen, what it must have been like to see Jesus enter into this anxious moment, enter into this chaotic moment, this moment in the storm, and all of a sudden, there's Jesus. All of a sudden, what could have been sheer darkness and chaos has new information. Jesus has walked into the scene. And I want for a moment for us to even think about the future memories of the disciples. What did this experience do for them that informed their future experiences? Like the next time that they were in a storm. Is it possible that it could have triggered in them a new kind of memory, right? As, as we know, as we go throughout life, that, that when we experience something, it may trigger something in us. And so as they see a storm, they might think back, oh, remember that time? Remember that time, that incredible time where though we were afraid and we were, we were in the midst of a storm and we didn't know how we were going to get out, we were arguing over directions and we were trying to summon all of our strength in order to navigate this scene that all of a sudden Jesus was there. And it changed 
the entire atmosphere. It changed, this, this person of peace walking out on the water in the midst of the chaos changed the entire experience for this group. And so, let's think for a moment because I know Peter gets a bad rap uh, in this story, or he has many times, and I get this idea that, that in some ways we want to be like, oh, bless your heart, Peter, like, there you are, that good, you know, like, like that good Christian, oh, bless your heart, that good, oh, Southern, oh, bless your heart, kind of means everything and nothing all at the same time, like, oh, that's cute that, that, that you, you gave it a shot, you know, you, you, you tried, but I, I believe that, that Peter really does something remarkable in this story that, that we need to pay attention to, and what, how maybe we could think about it is how we live in between failures, Like, Peter is a great example to us about how we live in between failures. That part of what the human dilemma is, is that we are prone to make mistakes, to mess up, and we need uh, to just acknowledge and accept that reality of what it means to be human and walking this earth. And yet, what happened in between Peter's failure. Now, if Peter was future tripping, he probably could have predicted exactly what happened to him, which is that that this experience with Jesus will end up with him drowning, embarrassed, and being rebuked. That's exactly what happens to him in the story at the end of it. And yet, he's not there asking Jesus, Jesus, how is it possible that you're walking on water? Can I get a little uh, theological background here? Can I get a little scientific background here on how you are walking out here on the water? No, he's just sheerly in the present moment. God bless the impulsive this morning, right? The impulsivity in Peter here is actually being used that for a moment— for a moment, in between the failures, he's willing to do something that nobody else in that boat is willing to do. He's willing to get out and put his weight on his belief. You see, he, he subscribed on paper with the rest of the disciples to follow after Jesus. He said, I'm going to follow after you. And so for him, he's able to put on a beginner's mind And he's able to see his rabbi, his Messiah, out on the water. And he's able to think in his mind, well, if Jesus could do it, why not me? See, one of the things that I think we can get prone to do, uh, especially in a Presbyterian church that prizes the intellect, especially in a smart church like this, is that we 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 could get here, right? We could live here and think that belief is sheerly here, that if I know the catechisms and I know the Bible and I know my theology, that I am believing. And yet, I could say all day long that, Dave, I believe that if I jump off of this podium, that you are going to catch me. Right? (laughs) You're ready to go. (laughs) 
But, no. <laughs> but until I do it, right, you don't actually think I believe it. And nor should you. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't want to hurt you, but I believe you could do it. I believe you, but we, we believe, we try, <laughs> yeah. But until we put some weight on our belief, until we actually, actually conjure up enough faith to have skin in the game, do we really believe yet? We know, we assent, but faith is something else. I love that uh, these things have been wrestled with for thousands of years, and St. Augustine has a great teaching that is very helpful to the church to just understand this reorientation. What comes first, action or belief? What comes, uh, how do they work together in our faith and in our discipleship? And St. Augustine coined this term, he just coined it as faith-seeking understanding. Faith-seeking understanding. You see, Jesus didn't just download everything about who he was to the disciples immediately. No, actually, because Jesus had so much to teach and it was so unique and so important, he knew that it would take time for them to really begin to even grasp the smallest bits of what it meant to be with him, what it meant to be with God on earth, and how they could begin to live in light of who God was and was inviting them to do in the world. And what a significant moment we see here, like what kind of feelings Peter must have had as he had that moment of walking on the water with his rabbi, with his teacher, learning. Oh, we'll pray for them too. <laughs> learning to walk with Jesus. And, and in this way, the faith, the faith of a person who is beginning to understand by faith, by taking action, what is possible, what can happen in the life of a disciple. One theologian said this, you come to know God by experience, as you obey him, as he accomplishes his work through you. You come to know God by experience, as you obey him, as he accomplishes his work through you. So you learn who God is as you experience life with God in ministry, and it gives you one step that could lead to the next step that could lead to the next step. W.H. Auden uh, wrote, in 1947, won the Pulitzer Prize for his poem, a long-form poem called The Age of Anxiety. Imagine that, The Age of Anxiety in 1947. Well, there's some good reason for that, isn't there? There's a world war happening. And he writes this. We would rather be ruined than changed. We would rather die in our dread 
then climb the cross of the moment and let our illusions die. Do you catch that? We would rather be ruined than change. Now, when I think about that, I think about the people that are still in the boat there, right? That the reality is the world around us changes and things change around us. And one of the things that we're invited to do is to respond to the world. We cannot stay in the same place because if we stay in the same place, just atrophy will happen that our souls will be ruined by lack of movement, by lack of responding to the change within the world. And then it says, we would rather die in our dread than climb the cross of the moment. So meaning that, that one of the things that happens to us when we future trip or we deal with anxiety is that actually it prevents us from actually going towards the things that we're afraid of. We saw in this story, right, that, that fear is directly named in this story. Because fear causes paralysis, and it is natural for the disciples to be afraid for their lives in the midst of a storm out there on the boat. And yet Jesus is with them, speaking into that fear and saying, do not be afraid because you're with me. You see, that's what gives the Christian disciple the ability to face and climb the cross of the moment. To say, you know what? Jesus is with me, so I can do things that I wouldn't otherwise be able to do. I can step out in faith. And that final part, then, is what Peter experienced and let our illusions die. You see, they couldn't have predicted how the scene would go. Any facet of this was not predictable to the disciples on that day. The disciples didn't want to get out of the boat. Peter was willing to get out of the boat. They didn't know what was going to happen from there. And so all of the illusions died in the midst of their ability to walk in faithfulness and to discover the true nature of who Jesus is. I love how the psalmist just puts it simply, as I invite you to put some weight on your discipleship and your faith. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. My desire for each and every person here is that you would simply taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm not so interested in convincing you or forcing you to see that the Lord is good. What I'm interested in is inviting you through this gospel story to taste and to see into an experience, into being open like Peter was to an experience can you imagine the, the feeling Peter says, can I come out there with you? And then Jesus says, come. Jesus simply says, come. Would you come? Be out here with me, out here in this place of significant faith. This is for all of us to wrestle with. 
to learn how we can encounter and have these experiences with Jesus, to just get a little taste, get a little taste, to see that Jesus is good so that you would go further and further and want to know more and more. Two ways we can put this into practice this morning. The first, um, St. Augustine again taught that beauty resides in the memory. So when we remember beautiful images, beautiful music, beautiful stories, we draw upon our memories to create new beauty. And these memories shape who we are and the decisions that we make going forward. And so let me show you a picture. This is Rembrandt's Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Might be a little hard for you to see. This is a painting in vertical format. It shows all the disciples frantically trying to survive the storm that we've been talking about, this heavy storm. And actually, there's one disciple in this picture that's actually looking uh, directly at the viewer because Rembrandt drew a self-portrait of himself as one of the disciples in the boat going through this chaos. And there's only one person that remains calm through the storm, and that's Jesus. I was uh, a few months ago discussing a significant issue in my life with my spiritual director, and as we were discussing the issue over time, he was listening to me future-tripping about all the things that could possibly go wrong, all the bad possible things that could happen, and he just stopped me for a moment, and he said, you know, when we imagine the future in this way, we take God out of it. See, when God is in the future, all of a sudden we can't predict it anymore. We don't know what's going to happen next. And that's where our faith begins to take over. And one of the things that we can do is to be reminded of all the memories of all of the times, for those of you who've been journeying with Jesus, where he showed up in the midst of the storm. That's what carried the disciples forward into the future. That's what carried the church into the future was that they had these kind of memories to remind them of this. And then the final picture, I love this point of view. This is the point of view of Jesus as Peter is sinking in the water, offering his hand. Remember in our series, right, we're focusing on Jesus' hands. What does Jesus do? He reaches down as Peter's sinking in the water to lift him out. Imagine the power of this image for Peter that was just in his mind for the rest of his days. To understand that even as he failed utterly, miserably, that it's okay because Jesus is the saving one. So you can take the risk understanding that Jesus is there to lift you out, to pull you out and put you back in the boat and say, it's going to be okay. So, let us stop assuming that we know the future. Let's be willing to put a little weight on our faith. And in the in-between, may we get to taste and see that the Lord is good. And may we not be afraid 
to swing for the fences, knowing we may strike out sometimes, but we will, he will always be there to reach down and to save us and to teach us what we need to do next. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray for all those who are going through a storm right now, that you would remind them that you are there with them, in their midst, in the boat, Lord. And with you, we can take heart. With you, we can know that we can make it through whatever the storm is. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to take steps in faith. Whatever you're inviting us to do next, Lord, that you would help us to do it with courage and strength and energy, Lord. Give us energy in our weakness, Lord, to accomplish your purposes in the world. May we be willing to step out for you. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.